All right, everybody. So today's episode is really special, which is why this intro is a little different than uh, other ones that you've seen. So one of my good friends, an amazing human being, uh, was in town in Montana uh, visiting Rob and Dana Lynn Bailey from Flagner Fail. And so I had the opportunity to go over to the office to interview him. And then he decided to interview me, but then we decided to treat it like a coffee table conversation. And we went back and forth on everything you can imagine from mindset to plant medicine, to business, to success secrets, to results, to self-acceptance, to having a healthy relationship with yourself and everything in between. And this episode is loaded with nuggets and gold. And and here's the one thing. Uh, Matt's an amazing man and he's a friend of mine. And he somehow was able to ask me questions and show up in a manner that allowed me to share some deep, dark shadows that I've never talked about before. And so I talk about my bouts with addiction. I talk about my attempted suicide. I talk about some of the things that I've overcame that's allowed me to be here in the presence here and how I did it and why it mattered and how it impacted this. And Matt went so deep. And so to give you some context, uh, Matt is an absolutely amazing human being. He's a uh, two-time world champion at the Highland Games, who is like a strong man. He owns an amazing apparel company in the fitness space. He owns a coffee company. He lives, eats, and breathes like health, life, consciousness, personal growth, personal development. And he also takes a naked picture of himself every single time he's on vacation, you know, in the buff, enjoying his complete moment. But either I'm, I'm telling you right now, this episode was special. We're going to do another one in a couple of days because it was so amazing. And we're going to pop another one on this show as well. And so Matt is a friend of mine. He's the host of the USM podcast, which this will be released there as well. He is the owner, the face of Hate Brands, which is H-V-I-I-I Brands on Instagram and on their website. And the story behind that is mind-blowing and it resonates so much for me and it makes so much sense as to why the company has named that. And so we cover the gamut and the spectrum. And so I'm excited for you to listen or to watch this episode. I'm going to let you get into it. I want you to send me a message on Instagram with your biggest takeaway when you are done. And let me know if you want Matt and I to do some more because I'm starting to get ready to bring guests on for monthly corners and having them be repeat guests. And I'm just going to extract all their knowledge for you for free so you can implement it in your business. And Matt is one of those dope dudes. So without further ado, I'm going to end this intro. We're going to, well, I'm going to end this talking to cue the intro to then get into the episode. And so just as a thank you in advance, um, if you listen to this, I cried a lot on this episode um, and I shared some really vulnerable and really deep things that I haven't talked about publicly. And so I just want to thank you in advance for supporting me, for listening to this show, for being in my corner, uh, for being in our world and for being bright lights that guide and lead me uh, at the same time that I'm able to do the same for you. And so enjoy the episode. I'm going to cue the intro. Let's go. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. So dude, just because... I know the people on my end listening to this and I know we're going to share the episode, but they yeah. don't know exactly what you do. And then yeah. I'll explain yeah. who I am as well. So, <laughs> so for the table side conversation, yeah. which I peed, so we have a lot of time with. So 
I say I help companies ethically scale, right? So basically, I'm like MacGyver of marketing, all right. where I had to figure it all out, and I lost a lot of money, made a lot of money, didn't go to school, but had to survive. So I became really successful. New York Times bestselling book, number one app, blah, blah, blah. What, uh, what's the book? The book was The Paleo Kitchen. So I wrote a cookbook, which I had to teach myself how to cook, photograph it, do all that. And then um, I only had an email list of like 2,000 people and 8,000 social media fans. And my publisher was like, you'll never be a New York Times bestseller. I was like, don't tell me that. I went on to become a 22-week New York Times bestseller. Crazy. And I hit number four in the world. And through that process, and then I launched an app, and we hit number one. Apple voted us the top health app of 2015, which was like a recipe app and things like that. And I realized that I did things differently because I didn't come from this background of like marketing or business or school. I was like, I'm a jarhead. I have three colors of crayons in my box. <laughs> what is the most simplistic and effective way to do this? And how can I prioritize people over strategies and tactics? And it was like how I led my Marines and everything. So that led to it. So when I walked away from that company, I went behind the scenes and all these companies like, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? And then, you know, I get my hands on like men's health and supplement companies. And I start applying customer psychology and customer journey. And they start 10xing their business. They start 20xing their email revenue. Wow. And so I kind of became like this Wizard of Oz speakeasy digital marketing consultant that nobody wanted to tell anybody I was doing it. And they wanted to keep me in their pocket. And they would like, sure, kind of like sure, pass course, me right? around. Like, yeah, you find a magic lamp. You're not trying to hand it out to your buddies. And it was great because, like, I was like, wow, like, my phone is ringing nonstop. I mean, like, I'm talking NBA teams, Adidas, the title, uh, the president of Playboy. I mean, like, I would meet them on a flight and talk to them. They'd hire me. Like, they'd heard my name somewhere because it was circling. And so it was, like, shooting fish in a barrel for, like, two years because, like, when somebody had that, I would plug their holes of, like, don't disrespect them, fulfill right. what you promise, and it's, like, rocket fuel. Which those seem pretty... Basic. You, you, would, you would swear, but people focus so much on acquisition, they forget about retention. Mm. And here's what I tell people. I tell everybody this. I'm like, you can't adopt any more children until you feed the ones that you have. And so people adopt these children and broke, like they adopt them into poverty. And so like I started going behind the scenes of all these businesses and like I basically got a crash course. Like nobody knows this. I've never talked about this. I had never run a Facebook ad in my life. And my first ad budget was $20 million a year. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, can you do this? And I was like, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's so many zeros. Bro, I'm like <laughs> researching. I'm like, how do I do this? And like, I got to the point where I was like, it's principles. It's not the money. It's principles. And right. I was like, what principles do we employ? And like, I ended up 5Xing that. And so I got like this crash course in digital marketing and consulting by playing Monopoly with other people's money. Wow. And luckily, I like have morals and a heart. And I was like, this is mine. Like, I'm going to make this work. And I did that for years. And then it was like two years ago, like after I met you and people started, everyone's like, Okay, what the F are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm doing a lot. And they're like, no, no, you got to talk about this. And then my wife was like, hey, listen, you talk too much. I need you to go back on the public somewhere because I deleted social media. I was like gone. I was like a ghost, man, like Jason Bourne of marketing. And she's like, listen, our marriage works better when you listen more, but you don't talk enough anymore. So like, do something. I need something. you to get that energy out. She's like, go back on social. And so like, we started social again and I just started to like, kind of drip out and like teach people stuff. And so now I basically help entrepreneurs of any level. We have something my team can help, like just getting started to 
six figures, seven figures to scale up. And it's all focused on basically the holistic approach of you, like where you right. spend your time, how to maximize your sales, how to retain customers, including like customer psychology, your practice, like controlling things you control, plus some of the best dope marketing customer journey stuff in the world. Man. I, that's like summary. Yeah, that's way exciting. I have a lot of questions now. I love it. Um, for me, for your people, uh, I, I guess got my start as competing in strength sports, Highland Games, uh, mm -hmm. 28 till 2016, I guess was my Highland Games run. Um, won two world championships and then out of the other probably 200 times I competed in that stretch, like literally. Yeah. Uh, I've never not been on the podium. Um, so had a really fun career in that sport. And then when I got into that sport, I had started writing a book. One of the philosophies in the book was this idea of the hate of this, you know, pushing myself to be better and me holding me accountable, hating my own bullshit. Yep. Right? Um, amazing how much that's continued the rest <laughs> of my life of just not tolerating my shit. Yeah. Um, the brand started to grow. We started making shirts and now we're seven years in closing in on eight. And uh, yeah, we're seven figure business for the last four years. It's growing and still been good. So you know, it's funny. It took me like three years of even knowing you to figure out how to pronounce. Yeah, the name I'm aware. Of the brand. There's a lot of things <laughs> within the marketing world. Like, should I've named everything completely different but entities? Is but that I the also, smart move? I also love it though. Like, okay, great. I explained it to somebody because I was like, "Oh, my buddy Matt's in town. We're gonna do a podcast." I was like, "I haven't seen him in like three years." Yeah. I was like, "Oh my god!" And like, what's his brand? I was like, uh, "HVIII." Like, I'm like look at it and they're like uh i'm like break it down and they're like oh i like that what's it yeah. mean I'm like what do you think it means i was like do you hate the brand do you hate this right. do you hate? and i was like i love the interpretation and kind of like the it's a little ambiguous well i'm proud to hear that uh no. and that's pivoted into uh, i've got a coffee company habit um that's very small getting going and then you yeah, hate brands the main thing and then the podcast is its own thing and then we have the youtube side of stuff so yep. it's Putting the message out of why we do what we do as much as possible. Totally. Well, I think, to... I think one of the things I noticed, and I was so stoked to have this conversation, like since the day I met you, you've always been the same, but it's always kind of like this same philosophy, like control what I control, put in the work, like no one's coming to save me. And okay. at the same time, like this is a long game. Like you, I've watched you like morph your body and morph your mindset, but like you consistently apply it everywhere. Like there's no back doors, there's no excuses. <laughs> there's like, Hey, it's me and me and me. And you apply it wherever you go. And, and like, I absolutely love that. So when I started, like I watched your video on like what the hate brand meant. And I was like, God, it actually means something different to me, but I love the interpretation of it. Cause like I watch you and I was like, Oh, you're like, I'm going to start running. And I was like, he went from knee surgeries and I can't to like, now he's running 18 miles. Well, and again, like something like that, the, the, you know, the story I want to show people, isn't this a look what I can do. Mm -hmm. It's just a simple fact of like, yo, I'm not a good runner after 18 weeks, but I'm better than I was. Yeah. And that's the only thing that matters is just the progress of it. And I treat my business growth the same way. It's like, yeah, mm -hmm. I'll take 10% growth for the rest of ever. That right. sounds awesome to me. Well, and that's what I think is so amazing. Like even like when I met, like we met by accident, we yeah. were both in one place and we yeah, were told about one thing. Athlete influencer <laughs> summit, odd thing. Yeah. And then Aubrey was, put was amazing. And then you were invited and then he's like, you're speaking. And I was like, awesome. And then we had like Lance Armstrong and black. And I was like, okay, this yeah. is, this is cool. It was a cool, it was a really cool thing. And I've watched like since then. And like, it's the one thing that took me losing a lot of money, like a lot of millions of dollars over the years to realize like you don't win this game by hitting home runs the game is won through base hits Dude, like, well, you can't bank on home runs no occasionally they happen and it's just 
thanks for the fire. A, a thousand percent. <laughs> and like, even me, like I was like, even like when I was just consulting, it was like feast or famine. Like you have these like multi, like six, seven figure months, but then I'm dry, I'm dry. for like six months. Cause like courting somebody. Well, no, it, that, it takes so much work. And then in the process, I can't chase yeah. new business while I'm in it. Exactly. And like, for me, I was like, what are those things? Like before we were recording, it was like, like the things that I control are the things that I do every single day. And like, I've watched you, I'm like, I remember like your house, you're like, I'm in the ice bath, like I'm doing this. And like, it's consistent. Like you consistently post a naked picture every vacation. Yeah, yeah, that's about like, true. I that's love that. <laughs> like you're the easiest person to introduce on a podcast. <laughs> I like had it scripted on like the guy that's compassionate, humility, uh, loves, loves the plant medicine and also takes a naked picture everywhere he travels and unapologetically owns who he is. Man. You know, at that, at that point when I went to the influencer summit, I'm not really sure. I would maybe just started dabbling in psychedelics. Like, yo, that may have been like my first weekend trying mushrooms. It's about my mine too. And man, it's, it's been the craziest change in my life. Um, you know, it, it's not everything. And the, and the best way for me is it's just this other level of like, yo, I can't lie to me at all yeah and that's really good for me yeah you know especially like coming out of pain or doing any of that with the ice tub cold bath controlling those things that i could i, I can't complain if i'm not taking care of all the the, the little things mm -hmm. i have to at least do all that mm -hmm. i'm not i do <laughs> my problem was like i came from trauma as a kid like drug abuse physical abuse sexual abuse i emancipated myself super young wow. I was homeless at 13, working full time. Oh man. And I still went to school cause I was like, I don't want to be like my parents. So I would like sleep in friends' basements and their parents never asked questions and their parents are still my best friends to this day. Right. There's good people out there, man. Yeah, they oh, just for see sure. like, you know, the people need to help. They're like, um, yep. You're in the basement for six months. We're not going to ask. Right? right. Or like, here's a shirt oh, or here's some money. Oh, you live <laughs> okay. here. Got it. Yeah. And like, it's funny. I spend more time with them than their own children do now. But like, I was like, I got to be different. And here's the problem though. It's like, I went from that to like, I'm going to forge my parents' signature to join the Marine Corps, right? I was 60 pounds overweight because I was bulimic and I was bullied and like, it was horrible. So I had a recruiter put me through like this crash wrestling thing. Oh, I lost man. like 60 pounds yeah. in like, you know, 45 oh, days. Dude, wrestling's gnarly. And then I shoot to boot camp and like, I come out of boot camp like 150 pounds soaking wet, looking like Skeletor. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you're broken? Oh, let's use that. Be broken more. Don't share your feelings. Don't process any of this, but turn it into. And so then I spent 12 years. This is like what, 1920? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh wait, what? Yeah, what? years old. Oh yeah, I was I was 17 when I joined. Yeah. I left right when I turned 18, which is like 2002, and then I was on active duty from 2002 to 2014. And so I did Somalia in 2004. I almost lost both my legs. Oh my god! Um, so <laughs> I got bilateral exercise-induced compartment syndrome on a mission because I was using steroids that I got from the French pharmacist outside the gate in Somalia the steroids. to lift weights <laughs> yeah. because I was like bullied and beat up my whole life. Right. So I'm like 230 pounds. I'm ripped. Also, right? you're not getting the best, uh, no best steroid, uh, guidance. We don't even know. I'm like me More? and this dude in our tent living in Somalia. Like, and I was like, post cycle. I was like, okay, I did. I made it six weeks before I cried and quit and I've never done it since. And it okay. was like, this thing and it like didn't do anything but make me really angry. But I was like 230 pounds. I had a hundred pounds of gear on. It's 130 degrees. 
And my legs had always had issues. Like I'm not built to be a runner. I'm stocky like a bulldog. And it's like, I start running. It feels like shin splints and I couldn't stop. And I ran through it and they went numb. And then I passed out and I woke oh. up. I had blood everywhere. They had drained my legs. My, Whoa. the compartments in my legs almost they have exploded. To open them? He stopped them from exploding. He wow. opened them on the helo. Yeah, I've seen that with someone had to do uh, like Matt Chan. A Matt Chan. Yeah. One, Whoa. two, both sides. And so then the Marine Corps is like, oh, it's shin splints. Seven more months in country. <laughs> And so then I leave, <laughs> I leave Somalia. You don't have to cut your legs open for shin splints. And we land and we have to do a post-deployment physical, like within the first six hours. So they're going through and they're like, anything happened? I was like, yeah, they did an MRI. I was on an operating table in an hour. I had clots everywhere. I flew back from Africa over like four days. Dude, it's one of those situations, right? Where the universe is like, he doesn't know better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We'll throw him a bone. Yeah. <laughs> Don't test the universe, but occasionally, like, if you're just too dumb to know better, it'll it, throw you a bone. And I mean, the military's like, here's an ibuprofen, you're fine. Here's an ibuprofen, you're fine, right? So then I ended up having six surgeries. They wanted to amputate my legs. They said I'd never walk again. They did partials, didn't work, then they did full. So I was in a wheelchair for 12 months. Whoa. I had a PCA pump, so I got addicted to opiates. I had yep. morphine every six minutes. And it's great. And then they're like, oh, you're off this. Here's some hydrocodone. And so I'm like, not feeling. I just went through war. I lost friends. I have my childhood trauma top of it. wheelchair. I'm in a wheelchair. I gained 100 pounds because all I did was start feeding my bulimia, right? Like I was struggling. I was like eating pizza and ranch and boom, because I was alone in a barracks room. Like it was dark and then I attempted my life. I took 60 hydrocodone um, with a bottle of liquor and like that was it. And uh, oh God, I've actually never talked about this on a podcast, but I would always, I just, no one's ever asked. Um, I was so done, like so done. Like my parents were in legal battles. My brother was like a lost cause because of their shit. Like I wasn't speaking to them. I had no friends. Like I was alone in a barracks room after 13 months in Somalia and like the Marine Corps is like, get better or you're out. I'm like, out where? Where are you going to yeah, send me? Where, Back there? Yeah, what's there? And so like, I'm like, they like created an addict and like, I was alone. I was like, I'm just done. Like, I'm done. Oh, and man. bro, this was, this was June. I remember this like it was yesterday. It was June of 2005. And like, it wasn't even like a bad, sad thing. It was just almost like I had no fight left. Like I was just done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay. And I'll never forget. I woke up the next morning and um, I thought I was dead. Like, I just, like, thought I was dead. I was like, there's no way. And it took me hours to realize, like, nothing happened. Like, I woke up fine. And it was crazy. But it changed something in me. Y yeah. Like, well, you... Something really, really deep. And I was like, okay, listen. I could never do that again. I'm too chicken shit. <laughs> like, ever. <laughs> Trust me. And I was like... There has to be a reason. Like, I can't run from this and say I want to be different and then quit, right? Like, this is going to be a lonely road, but, like, I have to do it. And I luckily had this little physical therapist, man. She was, like, 5'1", this little Asian lady weighed, like, 98 pounds who, like, kicked my fucking ass. She's like, listen, you don't have a choice. You're in the government. You're in the military. You have to come to physical therapy eight hours a day. That's your only job. You're getting That's paid to job. do this. She threw vibrant five fingers on me and retaught me how to walk, retaught me how to run, signed me up for a triathlon. And then I won the fucking thing. Fucking hell. And then that started like my addiction, like this fitness recovery. And then I was like, oh, I made a recovery. And then my dad got diagnosed with metastatic brain and lung cancer. So then I got sent home on a humanitarian transfer for nine months to take care of him. Yeah. And then um, he died in front of me and I had to pull him off life support. And so like I'm dealing with trauma. 
I'm now his parent, I'm his caregiver, I sold everything I own, my boat, my truck, my motorcycles to take care of his debt, his drug debt, his past, because I wanted to rekindle that and fix that. And I lost him. Then my brother was homeless, moved in with me to Hawaii. I get to Hawaii for three months. They transferred me to Pendleton. How did you get to Hawaii? Oh, they, they transferred me. Got it. Three months later, they transferred me to Pendleton. Like, you're going to Afghanistan in a month. Like, that was my break. And your brother's... And my brother's now living with me, jobless. Still trying to figure it and out. And I'm too. trying to figure it out. And I was like, dude, I love you. You're 18 now. I was like, I'll keep the electricity on in the house, but we got to figure it out. He ended up moving with my sister, which ended up being good. And then I went to Afghanistan. And then... I'm already like limited duty. They wanted to amputate my legs, right? And of course, like in my recovery, I did a triathlon, I did blah, 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 and I made all that. And then they wanted to like, they're like, okay, I fought my way back on full duty because I was scared of getting out. So then sure. I do deployments. I what, become Because what do you do? I become a martial arts instructor in the Marine Corps, right? I do this, I start crossfitting, and I was like, oh, and then I start applying myself. And then I got seven concussions in two years. I got blasted, I got oh, TBI, man. I got bleeding on my brain, fluid on my brain. And so I'm just like band-aid, 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 band-aid. And then eventually, uh, after that deployment, the Marine Corps was like, hey, Bo, like, you're not good anymore. And I was like, there was nowhere to hide anymore. Like, I would hide in fitness. I would hide yeah. in these accomplishments. And it all just started to unravel. And luckily, my med board took like seven months. So I had some time. And then, instead of healing, I was like, I'll be an entrepreneur. I'll do another thing that's really stressful. (laughs) And then another thing, and really that continued until we got to the point where my wife was eight months pregnant and I'd basically been running for almost 13, 14 years. And I had been through cognitive behavioral therapy, prolonged exposure, but I was like Matt Damon. I was like running circles around these dudes in Goodwill Hunting because I was like, you don't want to help me. This isn't helping me. And then I was was blessed and so lucky. A a dude met me and he's like, listen, I'm an EMDR therapist. I'm going to do this pro bono. And I was like, you're out of your fucking mind. Go like, no way. And like one appointment, like changed my life. To MDMR? EMDR. What is Eye it? movement desensitization and reprocessing. I don't know anything about so that. So basically it's um, a multiple modality way to map backwards your trauma on where your body or brain is started in neural pathways and your physical body get to the root of it and then reinstill a new belief. Whoa. And it's crazy because you know, like talk therapy, things like that. To like, tell me about this, tell me about that. And like, you're like kind of guiding it with EMDR. He's like, pick a traumatic event. And I'm like, um, and I had plenty to choose from. I'm like, when I found my Marine hanging in his barracks room, Tom, and I'm Tom dang, I miss you brother. Um, when I found him, it wasn't that he was gone. It was the guilt that I didn't do something. How did I take you there and take you home and lose you here? Right. And so he's like, think about that. Like, how do you feel? And I'm like, bro, it's like a 10 out of 10. Like I'm crawling, I'm angry. And he's like, okay, cool. He's like in the ultimate game, like, what would you want to feel? Like, I would want to feel safe. I'd want to feel forgiven. Like, boom. It's like, all right, cool. And he's like, think about Tom. That's it. And then they have a light bar in front of you, like 18 to 20 inches wide. And the light goes back and forth like Knight Rider. And then you have a buzzer in each hand, which just vibrates. And then you have audio in your ears. And so it goes unilaterally. So when the light hits the right side, your hand buzzes and your ear dings, and then it goes left and right. And are you and following right. it? Or yeah, you're just, just, you're okay. just looking at it. And then he's like, think about Tom. And they do it for a series, like 10 blinks or 15 blinks. <clears throat> and then he's like, what'd you think about? And I was like, oh, I thought about when I was riding my bike when I was three. And he's like, okay, think about that. Do it again. And you do it again. And you do it again. And occasionally they check in and then you'll start to see how your memories are mapped together Whoa. and you're like unraveling 
your memories. Right, because Tom got you to this bike cycling. Which then got me to my dad not taking care of me when I got hurt, which then led to me feeling not guilty for not taking care of Tom. And then Tom had two kids. And like you get to the root of it, and the root of it is that I felt out of control and unsafe. Yeah. And But when you get to the bottom, he's like, think about Tom. What do you feel? And I was like, a four? Yeah. And he's like, okay, like when Tom comes up, what would you want to feel? And I was like, I'd want to feel safe. And he's like, think about that. And then you, you remap back out. This can be over an appointment or six appointments. Like I did this for 18 months. Wow. But after one appointment, my wife's like, I have a husband, not some robotic, disconnected, PTSD-induced. Like, I mean, I would wake up at 1 a.m. with a loaded pistol in my mouth from a nightmare. Like there was a period in our life where my wife was changing the sheets three nights a week, three times a night because of night sweats and she couldn't get me out. She couldn't wake me up. And I mean, this went on. Yeah, That's so scary for her too. Oh dude. And I I, I have a daughter who's 16 now who was 11 at the time and would hear it because like it's not like I'm quiet no and so like all of that was was huge so EMDR is what opened me up and similarly to you that opened up like wow I can be better and then my wife's like hey you know I know you think all drugs are bad (laughs) and like when I met my wife I was like you have marijuana in the house well especially yeah you come from this that's a felony background I was like get it out or we can't date right and now here I am like (laughs) (laughs) yeah right hey guys what do you need uh, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> like I live Same in free states. And like, it's like, but what I love about it is that basically what ended up happening similar to you is I got to this point in my life where I couldn't hide anymore, but I had gone through so much. I could hide from everybody who knew me. Cause I was like, you can't trick me. Like I always have a story to keep you at bay. Wow. And so when you met me, my story was coming out loose and fast because I was like, look how vulnerable I am. So I'm really not vulnerable, Matt. So you don't get to know how fucking scared shitless I am and insecure I feel about you. And that's what started it all. And then when I did plant medicine, I couldn't hide from me. And this Aya is this, uh, the first I did was MDMA assisted psychotherapy, which then led to psilocybin. So you're working with maps through, I, I did. I found them through Rick, through Aubrey. Okay. Because Aubrey consistently never pushed me. But it's like, have you thought about it? And you have a thought about it? And they, him and Kyle and sure. when I used to be friends, and like, it was really huge yeah, for me. Yeah, it's what opened me up to everything. And then that's, it went to MDMA. Um, and then it went to psilocybin. And then um, that was like 20 years of therapy in like a week. Dude. Um, and it wasn't like, oh, like I hated it. I hate to taste of mushrooms. Like I Dude, they're not good. Like, no, they taste terrible. And the integration was rough, but I had this like feeling of safety in me. I was like, okay, this is dark, but like there's progress being made. Like I have to integrate this. I have to do this. And then eventually I finally was called to Aya, went down, did that, went through multiple deaths. I ended where'd, up, uh, where'd you go? I went to Rhythmia in Costa Rica. We went there. Yeah. Yeah. Rhythmia. So Gerald, Gerald and all mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. They're amazing. Um, so I ended up going there and then, I mean, I ended up burying myself in my father's grave. I had to go back in time. Oh. Like I relived my combat experiences, all that stuff. And then, um, then went back with my wife wow. and we worked together and that was not roses and rainbows. No, um, that was uh, we're getting divorced and we're both going to ceremony to heal ourselves. And now we're still together and obviously amazing. Um, but yeah, I was the same way. And I know that was kind of a lot, but I've never talked about that. Ever. No, but that man, that's the journey, right? Like that's look the Aya thing and all that changed a ton for me. It's, it, the first time I guess that I got something big out of mushrooms and I kind of had that realization of like, 
there's something here. Mm-hmm. And then from that, at that point, like I, I had just been dealing with chronic pain. Yeah. And so I'm trying to find it out, whether that's ice bath, whether that's hot mm-hmm. tub, like I don't Same care whether thing. it's yeah. carnivore diet, you know, anything <clears throat> that's changing a percentage for me, I'm diving in. Yep. And, uh, I remember like trying, uh, like starting to smoke pot to not use, uh, opiates. Yep. Cause like, I need something for when the pain's at a three Yep. and it's always at a three. So always. I can't just eat another Percocet cause yep. I'm a piece of shit with them. Yep. Oh, um, I mean, I was a disconnected now, asshole. They serve a purpose. If my pain's at an eight, cannabis isn't touching it. Totally. <laughs> totally. And so like doing that and the first, first time with mushrooms, I just remember this feeling of like, why have we been told that this was this dangerous thing that isn't to help? Like, yeah, we've fucking lied to. <laughs> totally. And then, you know, the bummer about that and realizing like, well, I don't give a shit what anyone thinks is the right thing anymore. I'll try anything. And that's, that's where I was. Like, cause you know, like my childhood and my military career, I was like, I would cut people out of my life for smoking weed. Right. Because like for me as a child, weed meant Coke, abuse, of course. social services, loser. cops, like everything. All the negative things. Jail, loser, ruin everything. your life. This is the first step in fuck up. Everything. And so like there was a big period. I mean, I had to like, I had some shadow work to be done on like even my relationship with myself and then like things that I talk about and openly and I still like work through it. But like I'm petrified of plants because they're powerful and it Boy. like connects me to myself and that, there's nowhere yeah, to hide. Anytime, you know, with with legalization of say psilocybin or anything else. And for me, look, I I make it all legal. Let adults make decisions. Let's work on education and let's work on support. So with that going legal and people that people that don't know, because most people's only influence with drugs is alcohol Mm -hmm. and you know, it's the worst chemical. I'm not sure why we decided to back that one (laughs) as a a group, but like with the psilocybin thing, like if you think that this is a, a, a thing that you're going to abuse, yeah, good, good luck. luck. <laughs> That's what I tell people. <laughs> Best of luck. Uh, it doesn't play nicely with those type no. of things. <laughs> that's, that's what I tell people. I was like, here's the funniest part. Like I was an addict and I was like, I have zero. And I mean, negative fear of ever becoming dead. They scare me. Yeah. I mean like, and, and really it's so funny to me. Like, I feel like but you got chemically addicted. I did. Due to surgery and pain totally. and these type of things you weren't you didn't get addicted trying to escape from the trauma of mm-hmm. childhood like mm-hmm. and i feel like those are two very very different emotional totally. reasons or why you ha- the addiction got there totally totally because uh, my outlet for the childhood was bulimia sure because and, and 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 you know i used to talk openly about this when i had the food blog i wrote this massive blog and in like three days i had like four million views because I, I i remember the title of it. people don't talk about it i wrote dear bulimia you fought hard but i won and they were like this tattooed dude with an eight pack competing in CrossFit who tied a world record was sticking his finger in his throat in porta potties in Afghanistan. I was like, bro, like I got feelings too. Crazy, crazy for me to think about it in that environment that, you know, like I, I just never associate that character in the military in eating MREs in another country still purging. Oh, and here's what's nuts. I noticed it everywhere. Wow. Dude, because like you think about orthorexia. You think about obsessive working out, like the Marine Corps of all branches is built on obsessiveness, like run through broken bones, run through shin splints, fight harder, kill more. 
work out more, but like, it's not like eat healthy. Like our Connex boxes were eat full healthy. of pop tarts, yeah. famous Amos cookies and rip it energy drinks. That's the beauty of having a bunch of 22 year olds. And I was like, okay, go train, pass your kidney stones and get back to work. Right? Like that's what it was. And so for me, it started cause I was sexually abused by women. And, um, after it happened, I was made fun of for being fat. And so like, this was as a kid, as a kid, nine and 13 and the teacher th- family, no, uh, family friends. Family, friends, and babysitter. And the 13 one was the bad one because that one was a lot more like, it was more real and more realistic and a lot worse. And, um, but that I'll never forget after they were done, they like made fun of me and called me fat and boom, boom, boom. And then I was never the popular kid in school. I had the drug addicted parents. I had an overbite. I had a bowl cut. I was wearing clothes that smelled like cigarette smoke. Right, needless to say, whatever. your parents aren't making a bunch of money. Yeah, no. <laughs> right. And so, like, I was already picked on. Like, I was beat up. I had my front teeth broken three times, my nose broken twice. And I don't know what it was, Matt, but there was just always something in me that's like, I don't belong here. So, like, wow. I would make friends with my teachers, and I would hide in their rooms. And then, like, by senior year, I missed, like, 80 days. They just passed me. They're like, he needs a chance because I was working three full-time jobs. and quite frankly, I'm the most successful kid in my high school (laughs) now, thank God. Um, but yeah, it was, for me, it was a version of control because I was like, Well, you learned early on that there's no safety net. None. And so I was like, why I wasn't bulimic. I was like, cause the moment I would eat, I would feel comfort and love. And then I would feel the guilt that I had. And I was like, well, I can't be fat anymore. And so I would control it. And I was like, this is my way of controlling my weight and boom. And it was like this toxic control thing of like, cause it was my way of not being vulnerable and not letting people in. Cause I had this, like, it was basically like this bipolar abusive relationship with myself. Sure. I was like, I want to feel love. Let me eat this food. It'll make me feel good. It's the best dopamine I get. And then 10 minutes later, I'm like, you fat ass, you did this again. They said you were fat. Boom, boom, boom. No one will ever like you. And it, I mean, and I watch Marines do it all the time and it, you know, they hide it, right? Like I'm at the gym for six hours. I was like, okay, rhabdo, adrenal fatigue, right, like right, yeah, right, pick right. one, but it never went. And then the substances, the, all of it, the alcohol, like I'm still one of the only Marines I know that's never smoked a cigarette, never dipped. Like, I, I mean, but like they basically issue those to us. <laughs> right. And so. Yeah, it's, huh. it was just Nicotine's insane. Nicotine's great. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's a great upper. Yeah, especially when they only let you sleep an hour a night on deployment, right? They're like, hey, here's your Tabasco sauce, your coffee beans, you know, rub them in your eye and have your nicotine <laughs> and your energy drinks. But yeah, so that, like, I relate so much to what you say because I was like, let me try ice baths. Let, like, everyone's like, yeah, oh. you, every, I'm open now. Everyone's like, you love the cold. I'm like, I hate the cold. Yeah, I hate this. I was like, but I'm not in pain for like one minute. And the mental challenge forces presence for me. I was like, the first time I feel like I was ever present as a human being was when I got in an ice bath. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting, right? Because, um, you know, it's the same as for me, like really hot sauna or that gnarly bit during a workout of like, this sucks so much. This is the only thing going on. Yep. It makes the world really small again. Yeah. And, and like what you said, it's like it eliminates all the shit that I could use to hide from myself. Yeah. And like, that's why I did the extremes. Cause like when I'm in that ice bath, I was like, there's no hiding. I'm like, it is me with me and me. And like here living in Montana, when I do them, I'm like, there's plenty of days I go down to the lake and I cut a hole and I only make it 10 seconds. Yeah. And then there's other days I make it 10 minutes and that the relationship is just with me and like what I have that day. But it's, it's crazy, dude. You know, and it, it like along those lines, right? Like now 
on the days that you have the short days and the days you have the long days, now that you're where you are, I mean, with, is it the intention I'm going to get in the ice and get cold and we'll do that as long as it. Yeah. And like, for me, like I just have, it's like the term I go to now is I want to have a platonic relationship with my experience. So it can't be, I'm a loser or I'm a winner. It's a, it just happened, man. It's amazing what reframing that does. Yeah. Uh, trying to guide my life now with this idea of like intention versus expectations mm-hmm. because expectations means I know how the journey goes. Yep. Intention means I just want to go that way. That's it. I'm willing to weave left and right as need be. That's it. And, and like it, for me, like, I, and like, like I said, like I watch everything you do. So I'm like making assumptions, but like one of the things when I watch you commit, like you change your whole body type. Yeah. You're like, I'm changing my whole body type. Right. And you're somebody who did 200 strongmans. You were world champion multiple times. Like you have a healthy relationship with winning. Yeah. Yeah. That was a weird thing to lose, man. It was really weird to lose the athletic ability. Um, like I knew that I wouldn't compete at some point, but I wasn't prepared to not be athletic. Like I didn't realize how much I depend on this machine to operate yep. for me to feel value, worth, uh, ability, confidence, yep. any of these things. Cause that's where it all stemmed from yep. is that this thing's done whatever I've asked from it from jump Yep. Been very, very fortunate in that. And then I switched from taking second at a world championship to six months later. Like I can't go up and down a flight of stairs. Yeah. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, per surgical healing. It was like, oh, this isn't getting better. Yeah. And it got really dark. I got really scared about it. I got, I could just see down the road was basic routine life. <laughs> and I'm not interested. Yeah. I just am not into it. Mm-hmm. And you know, luckily for me, finding, finding plant medicine and then finding other really smart people yep. to be able to share communication with and relationships and talk, whether that's guys like Aubrey or Kelly Starrett or any mm-hmm. of these other guys that I'm just fortunate enough to have friends. Um, yeah, I, I lost my dad back in 2014 and, uh, to, to pancreatic cancer. And I think what a weird thing because like hate brand didn't start until October of 2014. And Mm. so like even that year with all that roughness, I won a world championship in June. He passed away in April. And for me, it was like control what you can control. Yeah. There's no reason to let this fall. He's gone. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we're not fixing it Mm -hmm. by crying. This is the way to honor anything there is. Mm -hmm. And so, and not only that, like I need it. Totally. I fucking need it. Yeah. And like what I think is incredible, like, you know, that platonic relationship, like, I'm like, I, I, I was like, oh, you got to figure it out. I'm like, on a scale of zero to hundred percent, I'm at like 1.7. <laughs> and I'm so in love with that 1.7. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I feel like I have made it. I'm almost at 2% of yeah. like, whatever you want this thing to be. And I was like, but even then, like, I've learned that like, w- to your intention thing, one of my teachers and one of my dear friends, we work together. It's like, there's only two things we can control. We can only control our intention and our energy. And it's hilarious because if I look at a result in my life, like my fitness, and I was like, oh, I'm so bummed I can't do that. But then I honestly grade myself on like, what was my intention? Like how clear was I what I wanted? How much did I make a plan? And then what was my energy? And I give it like a zero to 10. I end up with like a four and a five and I'm upset I don't have 10 results. So that was something like with that idea, like I I had that regarding and and I run into it with athletes that get injured and have to retire. And it feels like I left this thing on the table that I hadn't done yet. Yeah. Right. And so like I, I was able to realize smart enough that 
like, I'm never going to throw again competitively and I'm never going to be stronger than I was. Yep. So say, thanks. Be stoked on what we figured out. Because even if I'm like, ah, I could have squatted more, I could have done this or I could have thrown further. I, I didn't. Yeah, exactly. I didn't. And I gave it hell. And I know enough to trust myself to say like, yo, you didn't cut it short. You gave it everything you felt you could at the time and anything you didn't, you chose not to for a reason. You weren't lazy. Yeah. And so here's the results. Yep. If you're curious what this meat machine can squat, we have a number. Yeah. Don't have a feeling about it. We found out. Yep. And that's a metric to move forward with. Like, I don't need to prove how much I can squat again, broken at 40. Yep. I'm very happy with yeah, the number I've got. So let's go totally. find some new shit to do. Totally. I feel like one of my biggest struggles on that topic was that I was addicted to the ambiguity because of the quote unquote possibility. So I would keep things ambiguous to try to program or brainwash myself because what I was doing is I was borrowing confidence or traits that I needed from this persona that I was trying mm. to be. And I got to a point in my life where I borrowed enough that I could finally create it regardless of the result. Yeah, that's interesting. Because like I think about coaching, right? Like you've coached athletes, I coach entrepreneurs. Really, what is our job as a coach? Our job is to show up with a little more so they can borrow it until they create their own. Never to do it for them. Sure. Right? The best coaches never run your race. They're just a mirror for you and a safe space for you to be in your experience and when needed. Yeah. I've recently ran into that with, uh, with hate. Like, um, you know, when up, up until two years ago, when I hired Brant and got to St. Louis and, and resorted life, uh, I don't have any employees. Yeah. And so I'm doing everything. Yeah. I've had people that come in and help, you know, photographer I'll hire here and there, but no one's ever in it full time with me. And then I, I got Brant and realized like what a superpower it is to have help mm -hmm. and then start bringing on people. But at that point, like I've outsourced our email marketing, I've outsourced this other bit and they're all helping because I don't have enough Ram to do it all. Yep. And so I have to stay focused on the parts of the business that I can't pay someone to do, whether yep. that's, I can't, I can't pay someone to create the message yep. and I can't pay someone to find the voice of it. Mm -hmm. And so I outsourced that bit. And now that we've got, you know, a more creative team in house, we've brought it back on board as ours and it's really starting to grow. Now they did me a huge solid, that company jump influence that yeah. I worked with for a long time, but they were aware that as this grows, this will be a thing. You can do it better only handling your email than we handle 10 companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that made a big change, man. Totally. Um, Currently, my, my thing is I'm trying to figure out how to get the horsepower to the coffee company. So I own a coffee company. Okay. Nobody knows this. Okay. <laughs> it was the biggest mistake of my life, but I don't think shit. Everybody <laughs> follows that, but we played a very good game. My buddy already owned a coffee company in Mammoth and it was amazing. A roaster. And I was like, I was a food blogger at the time. I was a paleo food blogger. So I'm not going to bring in some like low quality coffee. I'm like, we're going top right. of the line. We're teach how to roast it. The best process stuff. And I was like, Oh, we make like three pennies a bag. Yeah. Like, Oh, and like when you get into coffee, you're like, Oh, once it's roasted, it only lasts for 21 days before it off gases and it gets stale. Uh -huh. And then you have mycotoxins and mold. And I was like, so I didn't do the logistics first. And I was like buying beans at like $16 a pound green. <laughs> and then luckily we were roasting them and doing, it. I was like, well, I'm charging like $30 for a 12 ounce bag. <laughs> That's and, too much. and I don't really have a quote unquote on it experience to justify this <laughs> right. or some like black label. And I was like, so, I mean, it was, it was hard. And then like, 
I was selling it to people that weren't as into coffee, so they couldn't appreciate it. So we were brewing it wrong, and it was like, nah. And coffee, coffee's tough. Coffee's tough. The thing about coffee, though, is you know it's the second most traded thing on I the know. planet. I know. People buy the shit out of it. That I know. and tea. And like figuring out how to get into that. You know, locally for us, like I, I looked at coffee as the quality of the product has to be there. That's yep. not even worth discussing. Non-negotiable. The branding side of it is the fun part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really like what we've created. And now I'm, you know, I just, I'm aware that like, it's in such a loud, noisy market. How do we find the separation? I think the one thing, and I actually still help coffee companies cause like I help any e-commerce company. Like it's really interesting because I own multiple e-commerce companies and I also have done all the digital stuff. And so like I can basically change my hats as sure. much as I want. But the one thing I tell people about any consumable, whether it's food, whether it's coffee, whether it's a supplement, I was like, you have to remember you're not selling to an open door. You're selling to an existing habit of somebody else's brand product or activity. And so what everybody tries to do is they try to get their attention and change their habit, but it creates more reactants because it's too far out of their acceptable limit of change. So Jonah Berger calls this the movable middle in his book, The Catalyst. It's an amazing book on how to change anybody's mind. It's called The Catalyst. And what ends up happening is that we know we want to change somebody's behavior. We want them to switch coffee companies. I'll use coffee for an example. We want them to go from this coffee company to mine. So we show up with a better option, but they have endowment to their current lifestyle and their current habits. Yeah, people don't like change. And so if we show up, we actually become a threat to their safety. And so they dig in more to go against our brand because... (laughs) we are too far out of their acceptable range. So Jonah Berger calls this the movable middle, right? If they're at the zero and we want them on the 50 yard line, they might be open to about the five, but everybody tries to sell on the 50. And I was like, no, our job is to have patience because it's a longer game to transition because you have to unravel a habit or introduce a belief or a challenge that unravels their current habit and then be consistently there introducing a new one until they know, like, and trust you and they're open to trying one, whether it's a sample, whether it's a free bag, whether it's a, they see you at something, but you can't go to the 50, you have to go to the five. So the five might be helping them make their current cup of coffee better, how to brew it differently, how to change the flavors on it, how to make recipes with it. As you as a brand, the person teaching them how to make somebody else's coffee taste better. Right. And they're like, oh, if they can help me make somebody else's coffee taste better. Oh, they have coffee. Oh, they've been helping me. These other people don't yeah, help me. Yeah, the education side of so it's good it's coffee. really like you friend zone yourself until you steal the girl. Damn it! This is what I this is what I've done with the rest of relationships. I Be- need to figure out that side. Yeah, because that's that's where people lose this game. The one thing I see in the e-commerce market, brands across the board, and the reason I have a job is because all they're focusing on is acquisition. But when all they're looking at is the pretty girls walking by. They're ignoring all the ones they have. You know, for us, like at least with hate, I see that. And one of the reasons that we have done the business the way we do, like we release new stuff. Oh, you guys are amazing. Weekly. I want all your stuff. And the way I thought about it was like, I have two types of customers. I have returning and new. Yep. New customers will buy whatever has just shown up. Yep. But the old customers, if they already have it, they're not buying a second one. Yep. So I need to keep feeding them with this new stuff and keep them on board and new content and new material because getting new customers is always way harder than keeping ones you got. And they cost 10 times more. And we've, we got like, I think right now we're at a 78% return. Yeah. That's 
mind blowing. Yeah, that's we, mind we blowing. Have it. Like for 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 the followings I have or any yeah. of those type of things, we're doing very well business. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, so I think for me, like the biggest thing when I think about this is like people always go to the close, right? And I was like, you have to remember, there's like five phases to a customer buying cycle. There's endowment. There's like it doesn't matter what it is. It's like when you imagine like people laugh like, oh, billboards. I'm like, the reason people still use them is because they still work. They might not be an effective marketing medium for you, but nobody at their right mind invests money that they're pissing down the toilet. See, you see that billboard every day for three months and then you get retargeted with an ad. You don't realize you had 91 touch points already. Yeah. And so they don't need to top a funnel you. They already have you because they know you live in that area and you drive that route based on our ability to market and following your phone. And so then all of a sudden you can't figure out why you're so engaged with this ad that you've never seen before. You know, it's a really weird psychology thing I'd heard years ago and I don't have any validity yeah. whether or not this is true, but we can I, make li it real. I liked it. Yeah. Was, uh, <clears throat> we were, we were in LA doing something and, uh, going to see a friend and we were talking about that movie posters because yep. they don't exist in other cities. Nope. And he said, it's not for advertising the film. It's the movie companies will put them in route to set for the stars so that they see it and they stay pumped. Oh, I would not. And I I'm would, like, that's fucking, that's brilliant. I would not doubt that for one instance. Because it doesn't cost anything in the grand scheme of whatever nope. that movie budget was to keep Chris, you know, Chris Pine or any of yep. these other, the rock stoked on this project he's doing when he sees a 40 foot him on the side of a building. I, I would not doubt that at all. Like, Damn it. At all. Like and that and the crew and everyone to mm -hmm. see like, that's what we're making. Yep. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that <clears throat> at all. I mean, it's just so, it's so interesting. Like, so for me, like what I've noticed and even like with your stuff, I follow all your stuff, but the coffee stuff, like you have the ability, you have one thing that nobody else can take away from you, which is your ability to emote and relate with a human, right? And it's like, well, well, I'm going to pull this off the table. You cannot compete coffee for coffee because they already have an existing coffee habit. And so really the only thing you could compete on is price, but you're not going to reduce the quality. So right. you can't play on that game. And I was like, so where can you compete? You can compete in depth, depth of relationship, depth of value, consistency, patience over a long period of time. And eventually it all erodes away. And the person who's been there the most has given the most touch points for the consumer to feel safe. Cause what a lot of people miss about, yeah, we're not going anywhere. We're making coffee. Consumer behavior is they're like, I want the sale. I want the sale. I want the sale. It's like so many people sell to people when they're not ready, which actually in the long game hurts because it's a one-time customer that could have been a four-time. The average consumer gives eight to 10 brand recommendations or non-recommendations in one conversation. Wow. And 86 plus percent of marketing is word of mouth. And so yes, you convince them on day one and your product's been sitting on their shelf or in their closet and they've never used it. And then when their friend's like, hey, I wanna buy this, they're like, don't, it's not that good. And they've never opened they it. They never even opened it because it was this premature. It's like, hey, consent matters, right? Yeah. And so like I love and I teach and use permission-based marketing where you show up consistently to where the person enrolls themselves because that's the differentiator. When you convince somebody, which is like a lot of the fitness industry, right? You're fat, you're broken, sure. you don't recover. Cool. Why do you think they all change supplement brands every three months? Because I didn't, well, it didn't work. Meanwhile, they didn't. Because they're teaching you, you're broken, you're broken, you're broken, you're Meanwhile, broken. Meanwhile, the rest broken. of us on the other side know there's no difference in any None. of the supplements. None. I'm like, they all use the same supplier. Right. They're just changing the label, right? And I was like, but who does win? The ones are like, hey, our supplements aren't the secret. Let us help you change yeah. your habits and use our supplements. And then even when they don't use them, they buy more and recommend you and can't leave. Yeah, you stay on the side of give. 
That's it. Right. Where they almost feel obligated to support because they keep getting from you. That's the game of reciprocity. And so like, I look at people all the time and I was like, listen, I was like, you just got to court them a little bit more. Yeah. Find the commonalities and find the pain points. I know the pain points of the coffee industry. There's reasons that like black rifle were able to take off and go killed. And these things that happen. Right. And And it ain't about the coffee. It's not about the coffee. And I mean, like, like I said, I'm not saying they don't make great coffee. No, their coffee's good, but it's not great. It's not why they're where they're at. Folgers is also selling a shit load of coffee exactly and that's because they're grandfathered in like ma bell yeah and everyone knows Folgers is okay yeah and so like for me it's like i did a podcast yesterday i haven't posted yet but i said the field of dreams is bullshit because if you build it they don't come no that's not how it works and i was like kevin costner will put you out of business right like it's the same way of like well the hard work equals success and that's not true no like if you hard work consistently done to yield progress is the key which comes down to that intentionality thing yeah you know what I mean? Like we can all work hard. Like I can go sweep this parking lot all day. It's not going to help me grow my business, but I'm working hard. Yeah. It's the, the, and I know right now, like habits, biggest hang up is me. And that, that hang up is that I don't have the Ram to treat it the way that I treat hate. Totally. Totally. Right. And so trying to figure out how do I give it the attention and direction when I don't have the hours and minutes totally. to do it personally. Yeah. Well, you have to borrow momentum. So you make yep. it a baby of hate. Right. And, and that's where it, and it's yeah. done well enough that way. But the exciting thing I see about habit versus hate, right? Is like hate doesn't work without me driving it. Yep. Like I, I can't not be in photos. I can't not. Yeah. You're kind of, of, you're kind of all of part it. of the deal. Yep. I get that. Yep. Habit doesn't have a face, yep. which makes it an interesting business to grow because yep. I, I can't honestly ever sell hate because I got to go with it. Yeah. Unless we've changed things drastically at some point down the road. Like there's to play, a few ways, but we'll talk yeah, about yeah, that later. To play, to play to the bell curve or totally. whatever it is, right? And I don't know how interested I am yeah. to do that. But with coffee, yeah, I'm interested. I'm mm-hmm. interested in having as many people drink rad coffee totally. as possible. And totally. so it's just a matter of starting to figure it out. We've, we've talked about kind of, you know, through a group of, of super friends, like all kind of getting into the coffee thing because we all have businesses that depend on us being part of the face of the marketing. It's like, what if like eight of us who all seem smart enough to run a business, like just manage a board mm-hmm. and work ideas. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that seems fun. Yeah. Yeah. You're like right down like my vision alley of like, I own like, I think six or seven companies and it's like, but I have one core team. Right. And I advise that core team and then they go spread it out across the board. Mm. Cause like my core functions are like my podcast, my mastermind and my events that I do here for entrepreneurs. I was like, but I also own a diaper bag company, a backpack company, a supplement company, a consulting company, an AI uh, app based company that I'm own percentages or advisories on. Sure. And so like when they call me, I take those calls and I tell my team, I'm like, all right, do this, this, this. And they send them all out and they kind of like help run them. Wow. Okay. And, and that's kind of like the, the fun way. And, he, and here's the thing that I'll say too. And, and you get this more than anything. Like when you envision and started hate what you thought it would look like, it looks nothing like that now. It doesn't look like anything it did two years ago. Of course, right? And so I'm like the same thing with the coffee because what ended up happening when we launched that coffee and we didn't like it anymore, Matt realized, and by the way, they moved out of Mammoth. They live up the street from us here. So we moved here together. Yeah. Um, Matt realized, he's like, God, I don't really have a long game in this. And he's like, I'm just going to start making alcohol at my house. Now he owns a eight-figure distillery. That was I'm born, just gonna start making alcohol at the that house. was born out of us being like, we can't do this coffee thing anymore. And they sold the coffee house and then poured it all into the distillery and now has a multi-location 
countrywide distillery that's amazing that only was born out of like us thinking, but it was like, does it have to be coffee or can it be another consumable that's artisan that we care about? And I was like, oh, there's way more margins in booze. Tons. And so like for him, like he actually could make investor money back and like not sacrifice his soul. I mean, he was up at night roasting for like eight, nine hours. And like, how do you outsource your skill in the kitchen? Right. Like there's a reason, you know, yeah, only there's so many, many I'll, I'll outsource as much as I can. And like trying to be smart with business of like, I know that there's like between five and 10% of my business that needs my fingerprint yeah. on everything Yeah, that I can't change it. I can't yeah. get it to someone else outside of that. Yeah. Get as much help as possible. Totally. Like Mike McCallowitz nails it. His book clockwork, he calls it your QBR, your queen bee role. Right. There's so many things that like a few of us can do. Like you're a master at relationships. That's what I do. Like your personal, like I can't hire that out to my team. Like they can't nurture my relationship with you to be like, Hey bro, let's no, do a it podcast. Doesn't work. It doesn't right. work. Right. So for us, like we know for me, like it's standing on stage, it's doing interviews, it's connecting with people on calls, it's being relationships. So other than that, yeah, me, it's the travel. Yeah. Like I'm, I know that the relation, cause you know, no one comes to St. Louis. No one. I'm not mad about that. I was that. just in St. Louis. Yeah. 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 Look, I'm, I'm not mad about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I don't, I, yeah. I'm 38. I don't have kids. Yeah. I can fucking travel. Yeah. And so I'll go see the people. Like totally. I go and I go hang out and I'm around and I get so much out of it yeah. just personally with ideas and, and stoke and motivation and drive that I don't even, the side effect of whatever the relationship in has always been this added bonus that I don't ever think about until one day, oh, there's a cool thing that's an opportunity. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so like, I think for the coffee thing, it's like, you know, it's like, we're going to laugh about this in three years. We do an update episode and we're like, who would have thought we were selling that on subscription? Yeah. Yeah. And I just think that's the beautiful part too, though, right? Like, I think you're aware of like, oh, it needs some RAM. And I'm like, well, cool. Let's dreamstorm a couple ways that we could replace RAM or add RAM. Right. And then prioritize it against like what we have that's aligned with what the three-year vision is or that goal. You know, because like, I think for me, like that ambiguity thread, because I hate open loops because I'm a marketer. So to right. go back to that ambiguity thread. I kept things ambiguous because I could hide, right? Because I was like, if I don't look at the bank account or if I don't know exactly much or I just say yes to everything, right? There was no series of inputs and outputs. It was basically a hobby and not a business. And so I learned how to do it in the business, but then I didn't ever apply it to prioritization of like initiatives or where I spend my time. And then my Mm. team and I started doing it with like, hey, this quarter, what do we want to accomplish? And we would have like full dream sessions. We'd spend six hours like, let's build it. Like let's design Disney world. Yeah. And then we'd go and we'd take a break and like, like, how would we do it? And then we're like, what holes exist in it? And then we'd be left with a list. I'm like, let's prioritize it. And we prioritize it based on impact, economics, confidence, and ability work. And then it's like, Oh, we would have lost if we did any of that. And that is not what we thought would be on there, but holy crap, that makes sense. Yeah. One one of the things that's kind of like I've recently, I look at now with, you know, whether it's hiring people or making, you know, big business decisions is where we want to be in five years Mm -hmm. and say, if in five years, like, I, I guess like, um, one of the ways I think about it's like an Elon Musk, right. That this idea of going to Mars, if he's like, Hey, in in a thousand years, are we an interplanetary species? Probably because that means we're still around. Yep. So let's just get started because that's happening. And you're like, why are we waiting? Yeah. And so that, that's how I look at like a lot of stuff is like when three years, do I think I have X, Y, and Z on my team? 
Mm-hmm. And if I do, let's get them in. Let's, let's start. Totally. Let's get moving that direction, start taking steps that way and figure it out as we go. Totally. And so, yeah, I think, again, I, I'm aware completely that the down, where the coffee company struggles is me. Yeah. It's because I don't have the RAM for those things because the amount of shit, like, so with hate, like all the design work is me. Yeah. Well, concept yeah. of design. So like I will draw a sketch, iPad, do what I need to do to get to my designers with a good enough target that they know what I'm trying to accomplish pretty specifically. <laughs> yeah. And that makes it a big difference that I can speak their language with design and, mm-hmm. and be able to get what I want made. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, it's every week yeah. is a new, is a new thing. So. I watch you guys when you do your, like you and Rob and Dana and them, I'm like, my brain does not work like that. I can't even draw a stick figure. <laughs> I'm like, but all your shit looks dope. So keep doing it. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's been a trip. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm from a sport no one gives a shit about. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you didn't choose the one for the glory. You're no, like, dude. nobody's going to know I'm the best in the world. No, dude. More Like, if I did darts, people would be more yeah, impressed because totally. people have played darts. Totally. I'm like, I got recruited for like an axe throwing league the other day because I'm apparently pretty good. And I'm like, I feel this is like more televised than when I did the box jump. Dude, it's 100%. 100%. And I was like, this, and then like you see the cornhole championships on TV. You know, did you know there's a $50,000 a year rock, paper, scissors tournament? Good for them. The Dude, world, world no skill. None. There's not a skill to no. that. We can pretend there is, but there yeah. isn't. Yeah, maybe if like you're really good at body and instilling, like you're kind of like a hypnosis. But if we have a hundred people who play rock paper scissors, someone will win. Yeah, someone will. That's win. all that matters. Someone will win. It's it's hilarious to me. Can you imagine if you did that right and it was single round elimination? Like someone did it and never lost a round. That's crazy. You know what's funny is I just had an event and I had seventy entrepreneurs mm. and I did a rock paper scissors tournament. Whoa! Single elimination. And I was like, I want to see who wins. And here's what's nuts. This woman, it was her birthday. Come on. So I celebrated and I had them bring in a cake and sing happy birthday, right? Because like, I love my peeps. And, and I was like, all right. And she's like, I'm going to win. And like, she's screaming, it's my birthday. I'm going to win. No shit. She won. Incredible. 74 entrepreneurs. So she beat 32 people or Yo, something. She landed on the right timeline that day. And huh? literally, I was like, they come running up to the stage for the final because they did it in the audience. And then like winner moved on. And I was like, how? And I'm like watching this, like how? I'm biting my nails. And I was like, this woman, I want her around me. She's the queen of manifestation. Like whatever. Dude, at that point, is. if I'm in the finals against her, I'm like, you win. Yeah, you win. Like I was like, it's so crazy. I'm throwing paper. I'm just yeah. going to put it out there and like do whatever you want. Yeah. So Mike, I have a question. Cause like you, like when you get to the point of strength that you had, mm-hmm. like you don't get home runs anymore. Like you're fighting no. for like micro percentages. Yeah. Same with throwing. Same with throwing, but like you'll work a year. Yeah. For five, five pounds to gain five pounds to do whatever. And I feel like that's one of the reasons you win in business. Well, so I was, I was really, really able to correlate what worked for me in strength training to the business thing. Yeah. And, um, Man, it goes back. I have a, a buddy of mine in radio, uh, Jason Ellis, and I remember him oh, yeah. saying it, and it fucking triggered for me big time because he got into radio, and he's always he's like, "Yo, I'm not the most talented athlete. I'm not. I wasn't a great skateboarder. I loved it, and I never stopped. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, when he got into radio and like realized he had some knack for it, and he's like, "Cool, ten years, 
takes 10 years for me to be good at this. And so for me, I looked at that with the same way of lifting. Like there's not a single workout that makes me strong. It's me not getting fucking hurt for 10 years. (laughs) And so just keep making that progress. Right. And like, I I tell people that like, if you want to get strong, like bench squat, deadlift and overhead press moderately heavy once a week for the next decade, you can't fuck that up. Yep. And I looked at business the same way. It's like, yo, there's no one day or one month or any of that. Like, this is the grind. Like, understand we're getting into it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're seven years in. And so I feel like I have some idea of what we're yeah. doing. Yeah. <laughs> but I probably don't know what 10 year looked like. When like, I think that that's what's so amazing, because I think that's what's so missed. And like, if, if anybody listens on either show, like the business lesson that people pay millions of dollars for, right? Like it's the non-glamorous inputs that create momentum that you protect, you have to earn the right to try to hit a home run. And, and for me, it's, it's very similar to throwing. Yeah. What I loved about throwing and track and field and Highland games versus say football or the other sports I played pass or fail. It's my fault. Yep. I either succeeded today because I did all the work and I did it right. And I, and I showed up when it counted mm-hmm. or I didn't because I didn't. Yep. Or, yo, know, I slipped. Shit happens too. It does. Right. Like, why did I tear? Like, why did I get a calf spring? You know, blah, 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 whatever it is. And the same way it works with business. It's like, if I can just apply that approach of like, you know, we just don't stop once we commit to a thing. And that's the podcast, right? Like how many people I know that start a podcast and, and lose steam after three episodes, five episodes. It's tough. Yeah. Especially like, so we're, we're a hundred. This is like what episode 185. I think I'm on like 186 <laughs> or something. Yeah. It's like 185 and I'll still do occasional episodes that we don't count as yep. episodes. So like Q and A's or yep. any of this other type of stuff. And I've never missed a week. Yep. And that was, you know, I decided I'm doing a podcast and I know the only way this works is you, you can't pause and panic about podcast number one being perfect because it's never going to be no matter how much time, effort, preparation, editing, everything you put into episode one, episode 100 is going to be better. Yep. Get to episode a hundred, start making mistakes and start taking note. You know, I had, dude, I read a, I read a review and, and like I check in every once in a while on them and, and read one and it was like, Matt talks over guests. He's telling the exact same stories and it's gone from this to that. And like, Yo, it hurt. Yeah. And the reason hurt, because I'm aware, I've thought about those things and he fucking said them or she said them or whoever it was. Right. And so like, I don't look at that and go, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, there's truth to that. Yeah. Let's fix it. Yeah. And And I give a shit. That's the most important part. Like, and, and even in the business stuff, like I watch people and every day I'm hit with like, oh, you're the guy that built a billion dollar company or a million dollar company. You did this and help me do it now. And I was like, okay, stop looking. Yeah. And they don't like it. Well, dude, if you think someone outside of your business is the key to making your business grow. Yeah. You've already lost. Yeah. Cause you have to remember like, I'm not a fire. I'm lighter fluid. Once right. the fire is burning. That's exactly it. If you don't have it, yep. everyone else's help. Yep. But you can't, then they'll just start a business. Ex- like they ex- don't need your help. Ex- what is it you're bringing to the table? Exactly. And I tell people, I was like, I, I mean, it's taken me years. Like I, I, because of like my childhood and stuff, like I was always like, I have to be the guy or nobody will like me. Like when I met you and even Aubrey, I was like, if I'm not the best of the blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that's why they didn't like me. Cause I was like running around pretending to be this person. And they like saw straight, but they saw this like wounded little boy and they loved him. But the beauty of a room like that yeah. 
no one's the best at everything in no a room one. like that. It's a room of mutants. Totally. And so like, like everyone's, I'm good at one thing that I could throw rocks further than fucking totally. anyone in that room. And, and I like, got that part locked and down. And I'll never forget too. We went surfing and then Rutherford starts surfing. And then like, I'm like, you're like a surfing cheerleader. Like, how are you doing this, right. bro? And I love him. I was bummed. I missed that day. Yeah. I missed the surf day. And, um, yeah, the first time I surfed was in Austin, Texas. <laughs> Crazy, and I lived right? in Hawaii for four years. Like that's hilarious. That. Um, but yeah, so I just, I think what's so huge about what you said is like, it took me a long time to develop a healthy relationship with feedback because I was coming in like wounded. I'm incomplete, right? Cause I was so identified by what was outside of me, like my results. And so then, you know, my wife, my wife, um, kicks my ass all the time. Sure. My wife's been studying hypnosis NLP for like 20 years. Wow. So like I got trained on to be who I am. I've never been hypnotized. Oh yeah. Yeah. She doesn't do it anymore. We have some friends, but like one of my biggest breakthroughs is like, I do hypnotherapy every two weeks. Whoa. Non-negotiable. I have like three hypnotherapists that I rotate and one of them, all he does is coach UFC champions and world series of poker champions. He just helps them with their mindset. And, uh, it's mind blowing to me. But like one of the things that you said is like, I used to literally like hang my hat on that feedback and my wife, like w- one thing she told me in the beginning, <laughs> she's like, commitment isn't feelings. And it took maybe eight years for me to really understand what that means. Like in a relationship as a father, like as a business owner, and then I started to get it. And then like the same thing for you, like I used to get the feedback and I would like attack and my wife's like, okay. And she looked at me one day and she's like, you're a purple dinosaur. And I was like, oh, no, no, I'm not. She's like, notice I didn't get upset. And I was like, Oh, wait. <laughs> and she's How like, dare you? <laughs> yeah. You get upset because it's true. So maybe you should take a look at it. And I was like, oh yeah. And I was like, and now I look at them as like, they're basically charting my path to success. Like you're giving me the roadmap to Dude, follow. Listen, like, like you have to be for it. So like during my career as an athlete, and especially as a thrower, mm-hmm. like the way throwing works is like your feedback directly from a coach, every throw, turn the right foot more, get over the left stretch. You need to be patient. You need to do this. And it's every single throw. Mm -hmm. I get out of that and then tried entrepreneurship for a bit with the bike shop and it went poorly, mostly because 22 year old me was involved. (laughs) Uh, he's a bit less focused. (laughs) Uh, and then I went into outside sales in the petrochemical industry and did that for 10 years. And so did relationships and mm. did phone calls and cold calling and yeah. all this for a decade. And so like someone telling me no doesn't mean shit. Yep. That just means not right now. That's fine by That's, me. Yep. <laughs> I'll try again later. You probably forget that I asked. <laughs> and then, but it was really tough for me to go into that job. Um, because being an outside sales rep, like I'm not in an office. I don't have interaction with the other people that are work for my company. I build my own schedule. There was no feedback. And that fucked me up for a long time. I was like, I don't know if I'm doing good. I don't know if I'm matching expectations yes. of what you want from me. And like, every time my phone rings, I assume you're going to fire me. Yep. <laughs> like I panic. Dude, I had the same thing. And so like, I need something. Yeah. And so now it's really easy for me to look at sales and engagement and things like that is it's feedback. It's just data of more of this or less of this. Bro, when I started consulting and coaching, if somebody sent me an audio message, I'd have a panic attack and it would take me three days to listen to and I'd respond and I would lie because it's rude. And I'm like, audio messages are rude. And I'm like, I would respond. I would lie. I'm like, Hey, I'm on a flight. I won't be able to listen to this for like five hours. Can you text it to me? Yeah. I would lie through my teeth because I was scared to play an audio message and somehow them translating it to text was going to make better. it better. Cause it was like somehow non-confrontational. Well, dude, I, 
this is a concern I've got like going forward as a culture. And I think a lot of what we've seen, especially get amplified in the last year is the way that we communicate now because we're, we're communicating so much non-verbally and we learned at the beginning that 90% plus of communication is non-verbals, which is eye contact and empathy and seeing the mood, the person you're in the context of what the last four sentences we just fucking talked about were all these things. And we've become a text-based society. Mm-hmm. And so you read it in your own tone. I don't know how many, like I had a, we had a receptionist that worked for uh, one of the companies I worked for uh, doing hardware sales in the oil and gas industry. And man, her, I just always read everything she sent me in this like rah, 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 raging tone. And so like, oh, I built this animosity toward her. Yeah. And then anytime I was ever at the office, this wasn't Amy. No. Amy was, she's harsh, but she's not shitty. Yeah. She's direct. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't rude. It was still jokes. It was just dry and flat. And via, via text message, man, or emails, it was really hard for me not to read under the context that I wanted it under. Oh, yeah. And that's not fair. Nope. Oh. And so, of course, we do that on yeah. a global scale now. Like, if you're hurt and you're damaged and you're, you're scared, of course, you read things as an attack. Instead of just go, eh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know like, that. It's so funny too, because like I have this, and even the thing that I've noticed, right? Like it used to be okay to treat asynchronous communication as asynchronous communication, but the amount of people get mad. Like if you don't respond in five minutes, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I was reading books to my son to put him to bed before I cuddled my wife and ate dinner. Like yep. F you. It, it took me a long time to do that. Yeah. Because, uh. Man, I, again, with the outside sales job, like if you're not the one answering the phone, that business goes to someone else. Totally. Like I coach some realtors, and so right? Like, I respond to fucking emails and text messages. Like I'm holding my phone waiting for you to yeah. hear me. And people, it's weird when I don't respond now because people are like, everything okay? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I was just in another country, yeah, <laughs> you know, totally. or whatever it is or, or on camp. Totally. And uh, it's taken a long time for me to deal with waiting to respond because I I still would rather just get it done Mm because I'll forget. Mm -hmm. That's how I combat having a shit memory. Yeah. You're like, I just do it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, like I've gone through so many evolutions like you have where it's like, okay, I was wounded. Then I got healed. But then after I like quote unquote got healed, I relied it on that external feedback. Am I doing good? Am I not doing good? Cause I still had a little bit of a wounded boy in me of like, is this right? Is this not right? And then I was like, I had to go the other way of like, none of this feedback matters. Right. And then like now in the middle, I'm like, okay, cool. And like, I focus, I probably spend two to three hours a day in silence, like alone in a stillness practice. And really it's like, I have this philosophy that as children, right? Like, and this is from my plant medicine and meditation breath work stuff I've done as children, like we are completely unattached to anything but the moment and we are ourselves. Right. And then as we get older, we get less and less and less and less time with ourselves and we stack it all on as a means of success. But if you look at the average human's day, they don't even shit alone anymore. No. Their phone is with them. Like I have a, I have a Tibetan monk who's in my mastermind. He was in a monastery for seven years in silence and I had him on the podcast and this dude is like, and, and he's a, he's a hypnotist now, um, okay. hypnotherapist now. Um, but he was like on the podcast and I was like, of this whole show, the most profound takeaway was he's like, you're not living if you can't shit without your phone. Oof. And bro, it blew my mind. And like for a month I was like, holy moly. Like I like had anxiety going to the bathroom without my phone. And I was like, 
Oh my I, goodness. I got, I got broke on the phone thing. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago when I went and did that two weeks on the Grand Canyon. Oh yeah. So that's yeah. two weeks, no cell phone. No cell phone. And like, this was three years ago. This wasn't like 2008 when cell phones yeah. kind of worked. Yeah, I know. Like, yo, I'm in the middle of business and trying to do shit. And like my business partner's taking care of stuff while I'm gone. And, uh, it was two weeks yeah. without, without your phone. And so like, yeah, shitting, right? Some of those campsites, because you, you don't ever leave the river. Like it was a weird thing too, because I didn't go in a building or a thing for two weeks. Yeah. Which is, I haven't done that in my life. I have, but yeah, yes. right. Like I, I, I have not. And so like, it was really great, but like, yeah, just to have that moment of like, the world gets really small again. Mm-hmm. And, and these are the only people that exist. And I really now crave when I can punch into that. Yeah. For a bit. Yeah. Cause I feel like, uh, you know, Stephanos, one of my business partners and dear friends, we talk about this. Like I, I've, I talk about the meaning of life or like, what is it? Right. Like, I feel like I've accomplished what I've wanted. I have my family, I have everything. I was like, no, I have something here. And I was like, but what's the finish line? I was like, cause I, I don't believe there actually is one, but I was like, I think awareness is like, I think awareness is the finish line when you are in a moment and moment to moment, you get to make a choice. I was like, but it's interesting because to be aware, you have to be in that really small world, Yeah. but yet you can only be in that really small world when you're by yourself. And yet it's the one muscle that we don't flex and work out every single day. No, the, the a stillness, um, and like mindfulness time yeah. has been really, really valuable to me, but, um, I don't do complete stillness. Great. Yeah. Uh, I figured out like my best option for mindfulness is go get a massage. Oh yeah. Because if something good's happening to the machine, mm-hmm. my body, my brain will never kick into we're wasting fucking time. Yep. I'm like, Oh, we're doing a nice thing. And then my brain's allowed to solve problems and sort through things and yep. work stuff out and file it away. Yep. The same as if I'm walking on the treadmill, yep. doing something that's not hard. Um, recently one I didn't expect. So I got invited on a motorcycle trip a couple weeks ago. I saw that. Ago, I was right? super jealous, by the way. I'm not sure how that all worked out. I was the fourth <laughs> wheel on a really rad trip and stoked to be there. Um, but 10 hours on a motorcycle. Like, so you're with a group, but you're not talking. Mm-mm. So it's a really strange thing. And then like, you know, your body's busy yep. and paying attention, but it's not like priority one because I'm not in traffic. I'm not... In a panic, I don't need my hands on the, the bars because cruise control, cruise control and, yeah. and I can see where the road is, uh-huh. but I'm not checked out. Yep. <laughs> and so like you're leaning with the bike and like this mindfulness and flow state that I was in for 10 hours, like, yo, I, I'd put the last day that we were on the bike when we rode from Monterey back through down Big Sur, down okay. PCH, all the way back to LA and got in at like 10 PM. That day was as like emotionally big for me and challenging as many different psychedelic experiences I've had because there's nowhere to go. Nowhere. And like I cried a bunch for like 30 minutes. I thought about shit with my dad. I figured out other stuff. And then this, you know, wild gratitude for like, you know, my body wasn't ever going to do this. Like I couldn't bend. I couldn't get on a bike. I couldn't do any of this. And like this new life that I've got. Like, you know, I ain't never going back. Yeah, dude. And here's, here's what I'll tell you. This is the one thing I've learned. Every person I've ever coached, every company, every, every human, the secret to success is subtraction, not addiction. Mm. It's always subtraction, not addition. Interesting. And it's really interesting because what I'll we, let you explain that more. I will, I will. What we expect is we're like, okay, like you're an athlete, right? So it's easy for you. There's no one else that's you. You're the secret weapon. 
Right. But yet you don't ever practice sharpening your own weapon. Instead, you listen to other people's lyrics, other people's books, consume other people's social and other people's videos, and you get wonder why you have anxiety and don't have the life you want because you're building their vision mm. in your tool. Like they're sharpening your tool to help them. Like I had a rule for three years. I was only allowed to consume 30 minutes of content a week. Whoa. That was one of That's the a level of discipline. I'm not sure. Hardest things I yeah, have ever done. Because accidentally. Because then I had two options. Be still or create. I created. I went live every day on Facebook for nine months and gained 181,000 fans. Consistency. Because I was like, I'm just going to show up every day. There's nothing to consume. And I'm not regurgitating or pontificating somebody else's idea. I'm like, that's what I feel like talking get, about today. I get careful with what, like following different graphic designers and stuff like that. Totally. Like I know when I need to like catch the scent of a thing. Totally. And then I'm also aware sometimes of like too much. Yeah. And like now I'm like, I, I consume now. I read a lot. I do all this. But like, here's another one. Like I, my, my mastermind students, for example, I'm like you, like, I intentionally sit in stillness to practice my ability, but like I call my stillness practice a boredom practice, which means I can be walking, I can be staring at my lake, but I can't have anything around me but the moment. I have to watch the duck, the fish. Like I have to be unattached to the thought. And it's a practice, but like compassion's a muscle. Boredom is a muscle. Your creativity is stemmed from boredom. One of the biggest gifts to children is boredom. That's where they have to create their own experiences. And like, we have that with my son. Like he's four and a half. He plays Minecraft and Roblox and yeah. watches videos, but it's only a couple minutes a day. And he's like, daddy, I want to play. I'm like, hey, Bubby, it's time to play alone. He's like, I'm bored. I'm like, okay, create something. Yep. And then, you know, a half an hour later, he's gone for four hours, like building stuff. And I was like, whoa, which never would have come. And so... Yeah, Legos and Minecraft are not the same. Yeah, no, no. But he's really good with Legos too. Kids right. like a rocket ship. Um, but then I looked at it and so I, I practiced this, I practiced And one of my coaches, one of my men's teachers was like, listen, he's like, we have no question about your ability to endure. He's like, you, like Matt, like all of us, like, yeah, we'll suffer. We'll show you, right? And yeah. he's like, yeah, that's I easy can, for I you. Do that. It's easy for you. He's like, you don't care. You'll out hike, you'll outrun, yeah. like whatever. I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. He's like, great. Sit still. Fuck. And, and I was Fuck. like, F you. And like, I was literally like a cockroach. I was like, but can I, but, uh, and he's like, uh, nope. So where, where does your anxiety with not being able to sit still stem from? I know mine. Yeah. So for me, well, well I was afraid of the shadow, mm. right? Because like ultimate presence, super small world. And so then I would get like this distinction of like, oh, there it is. And I'm like, but I can't go fix it right now. Oh, I'm going to lose it. And it was this like subversive addiction to control again. And so he started me. He's like, just do 10 minutes a day. He's like, stillness. He's like, I don't care if you lay down, sit down. You just have to be eyes open. No music, nothing. And then I was like, all right. And remember, like, I don't know if this was like you with ice baths. When I started ice baths, it was like, oh man, this sucks. This sucks. This sucks. This sucks for like 15 days. I only made it like a minute, minute and a half. And day 16 was like 22 minutes. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, there's a, there's a switch that flips, especially with cold showers as you develop your relationship with it. Right. And so the same thing happened with stillness. And then I didn't even realize I was staring at my lake. I sat there for six hours. Wow. It felt like 10 minutes. And I literally was like a pagan shit riding a unicorn over a rainbow. (laughs) Like I, I couldn't even explain what it was and there was nothingness. It was just like pure presence. And I was like, Okay, cool. So when I made the rule of like no consumption, that means I started working out in silence. That means I started driving in silence. And I'm going to tell you. Okay, yeah. Because immediately when you say media, I'm like, 
video. And immediately I was like, cool, no video content, yeah. but you're talking about anything. Yeah. Cause like, if you come watch me train at access, right, you'll see me doing heavy deads this morning. And I cried. Yeah. I cried cause the weight hurt. Nah, you're working. I shit. cried because my body was under physical exertion and my guard was down and I literally purged an emotion. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, this guy's wrapping out X amount of weight. Like, oh, it hurts. I'm like, oh, you look at it. Like, I cry in the gym like three times a week, bro. Yeah, I, I have no problem with tears. Yeah. They, they rarely end up in the gym anymore. Yeah. That, that's the thing. I'm, I'm very comfortable in that world. Oh, oh, me too. I just like, <clears throat> for me, what it is, is like when I put my body under physical load, the last the last guard typically drops, right? Cause it's a yeah. super vulnerable thing to be lifting weight and exerting yourself. I, I'm also just so stoked that I can train again. Totally. And so it's just, I'm just pumped. Totally. And so, um, so I assign this real quick, just to close this up. I assign this to my mastermind students and I'm like, I've never seen 30 millionaires scramble so fast in my life to do nothing. I assigned to them one hour in a week, like one hour. I got asked 60 questions. Well, can I have this? Can I have a notebook? Can I have this? Can I? And I was like, you guys are like cockroaches when the exterminator walks in. There was so much resistance because in that space is the answer. Okay. As a, as a look, not looking for a loophole as like, now I'm like, I have a thing to add to my, my week. Yeah. Noise canceling headphones. I'd use them. Use them. Eye mask. Uh, yeah. Uh, I always tell people to practice with your eyes open okay. because you need to be able to maintain structure with distraction. Yeah. This, this, the noise, the cars, the boom, like, you know, like you ever been in an event? Like, I mean, we've seen this a lot. We meet with other people, but like, we'll be in a room and this one person walks in the room and their presence alone gets the attention of the whole room. Yep. And they are unaffected, but also controlling the room just from walking in the door. No, there's, they're very rad to watch. Occasionally when you see it, you're that's, like, son of a bitch. That's the muscle you're practicing by sitting still. Like in the men's work that we do, like, uh, so if you, the room doesn't affect you when you walk in. No. And because of that, you affect the room. Oh man. And right. so like, you know, the, the masculine practice is always strong back, soft front, right? Like a man in his power isn't sucking his gut and his belly is relaxed, but his spine is strong because that's what makes the feminine feel safe. Right. Not like I sure, sure. like invisible lat syndrome, right? Like it's, and it's this thing you're like, Oh wow. Like what we are taught is structure is, is really quite the opposite. It's compensation because presence isn't something that you hold or you flex. It's something that you are. And that's a muscle that like we don't practice. No. And I'm like in 10 minutes a day, like I have mastermind students who come in and they commit to me just for six months, right? They all stay for literally 30 days. I don't give them a strategy and tactic. I make them delete part of their schedule and I just have them do a couple things a day. Most of them have three or four X their business in 30 days through subtraction. Through doing less. Doing less. You know, th so that's recently, I don't remember when this thought started, but it was, uh, it was regarding cold showers in the morning, right? There's something very simple or regarding, um, ice bath or meditation or mindfulness or the sauna or those type of things. And like as a business owner, as a person who wants to improve, if you like standing in the cold shower, I'm not asking you to do anything. It's I'm asking you to do less and the same with diet, right? Like mm -hmm. with fasting, you know, if you're not willing to do less to win, I can't trust you to do more. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, that's an important one that like for me to get better, I just have to be in the sauna. Okay. I mm -hmm. can be. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I, and like the thing for the subtraction versus the addition, I tell people success looks like a Christmas tree. That's the best way I can define success. So you build the foundation, right? The trunk, right? The non-negotiables, the right. things you can control, right? Those create momentum. And then you're like, oh, we got to grow this. So you expand the bottom branch and you get out to a point, but what got you out isn't going to get you up. You have to trim back to the trunk <laughs> yeah. and get take that growth that you had back to the foundation higher up, get back to what you can control before the next level. And you don't ever have to go as wide again because mm. you're sharpening yourself all the way up. Like success looks like a Christmas tree. I like that. And it's expansion and contraction. It's modulation. It's the human experience that also includes you're going to be crushing and have emotionally sad days and emotionally up days. Right. Yeah, which is, which is why for us, like, you know, Bonnie and I, and our thing, like we know we have to fuck off and be and disappear you for a bit. have to. Like this, us traveling to. this way and like yeah. camping in the summer and moving around and like we need to leave town. They're yeah. non-negotiables. They're non-negotiables. I need it. They have to be. And so when you think about it, like I tell people, like I was coaching one of my students saying he's a realtor, right? He's like time equals money. I was like, no, time makes you the employee. You want to be one of the best realtors in the world, but yet you work for your clients. No, you lead your clients. Stop demoting mm. yourself and sacrificing yourself. You have created a codependent relationship with your clients and you've quote unquote justified it as being available. Right. And I was yeah. like, yeah, don't lie to yourself. No. And he's like, ouch. And I was like, no, yeah. I'm serious. Yo, it helps though. Yeah. Like if you're not willing to take that medicine. Totally. And I was like, I'm the same way. I'm like, I just, I, I just got back off an emergency trip. My grandmother's on hospice, like unexpected. And I went back to where I grew up. I've only been back there like five times since 2002. And so like, I'm in the belly of the beast with yeah, my grandmother. We've already buried her son, who's my father. I'm a namesake for my dad's brother, who was her first son that was buried, and I look identical mm. to and follow to the same path. So I get to see my name on the headstone yeah. next to my Fuck dad, man. right next to where my grandmother's going to go. And here was the hardest part. I was off the grid for two weeks, and everything worked better without me. And I still had ties. Like, why doesn't my team need me? Why? And I was like... And they're not supposed to, I had to sharpen that with yeah. myself. Like when was the last time somebody went on a cross country flight and just sat in the seat for five hours? Ugh. Right. And that I was seems like, awful to it, me. it does. And it's like, but what are we trying to distract ourselves from? What are we trying I mean, to do? I'm trying to distract myself from being uncomfortable on an airplane. Well, for you, yeah, you're, you're kind you know, totally. <laughs> I also totally. fly 40 like, plus times a year. Yeah, like I, I fucking know. hate it. Oh dude, three years ago. <laughs> it's, I, it's lost all luster. One of the other reasons I don't love consulting is in 2018, I did 168 flights. Oh, Oh, and Branson was like under one. And so Lynn, I was like, never again, never again. Like no. I hit elite status on every airline organically <laughs> oh, no. and like every hotel, like never again. And so like the subtraction versus addition thing, there's this thing that I've, I've learned, right? Like I'm successful. I've worked with everyone. Like my biggest private client was worth like $15 billion. Everything. They all have one thing in common. There is a direct correlation between the amount of alone time they spend to the amount of success that they have. Hmm. And if you look every single time, there's different levels to this game. And every time at the top, they all start or have a gratuitous alone time practice. Yeah. And I mean, like all the way to the top of like Richard Branson, right? Like I think it's like 68 companies or something, right? Yeah, I love my alone morning routine. One hour a day he works. Yeah, it's a... The secretary comes in, briefs him on everything. He gives his answers. The rest of it's alone time. And, you know, he is pouring rocket fuel out for that hour. And I am, like, watching. And, like, I've been behind the scenes of all this plus my own. And here's the crazy part. 
it of course it works we as an athlete you can't train 24 hours a day no. temperance is the secret recovery is the secret there, there is a process like in the in the in the grinding and building the business thousand that, percent that you can't do that thousand percent no like i'm not advocating like you just like you know work an hour a day and like spend the rest of your time in stillness that's why there's a correlation right Right in the beginning, you go wide, you hit your foundation principles, you go wide, but then you have to trim and prune back. And that's where you have to practice. And as you go up that tree, you're hiring that out, you're buying this back, you're spending more and more time alone, which is getting you into the voice, the deeper level, the vision, your own kind of creation that's coming out yeah, of it. Yeah, I have free time to do this. Yeah, this. You know, like I would do this 24 or, or, 7, yeah, or, 365. Or go and do this thing with Auburn or any totally. of these other places. Like I get the freedom to travel. Like coming up, like travel wise, we've got to, we will get home from here the 20th. Or like the 18th, I have a vasectomy and then that's done. Get that out of the way. <laughs> Go ahead. I had that a couple years ago. Pull, pull the goal. Like, I'm not interested in the kids yeah. thing. And like, yeah. oh, my chick wants to get off birth control. She's been chemically castrated oh, for so 20 fucking for years. Yeah. Let's get her dialed, man. Yeah. My hormones fucking matter. I bet hers do too. Yeah. And so we do that. And then we leave August 5th for Iceland. We're there for three weeks. And then home. And then in September, uh, a friend of ours has a fight. Uh, Steffi Cohen's got a boxing match that we're going to mm -hmm. go watch. Uh, Hap Thor and Eddie are yeah. going to fight, so we'll go watch that. Yeah. Be fun. It's like live King Kong versus Godzilla. Why wouldn't I want to see this? <laughs> I know. Uh, pull it for you, Happy. They're hilarious. Dude, and then I'm going to Africa for seven days or 10 days with uh, some friends to do three days of rafting on the Zambezi. Wow. And then Bali in October for two weeks. Um, yeah. I, I love it. I'd invite like, you to I our. Need, I'd invite you to our event in October, but you're going to be in the Zimbabwe. Well, dude, I'm, I happily come up here. Yeah, you can come back. Yeah, I live I here would now love too, to, dude. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it, so here's the like the thing I say. Everybody, I mean, we're up here a couple times a year. Yeah. We, well, now I know. Yeah, we come pretty regularly. Because I was like, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm God. I saw you on stories. Yeah, because we're going podcast tomorrow with uh, Andy uh, Stumps up here. Oh, he's up here too. Yeah, he lives in fucking Whitefish. Oh my God, it's hilarious. Yeah. There's a pocket of I know us of here. killers. Yeah, and none of us even. Everyone like, just like disappeared. Like we're all like ten minutes. Like I was driving to the airport. There, I was like, oh, Rob was picking somebody up, and I was picking up my wife because yeah. we're kind of in a small area too. Yeah, and and also the vehicles stand out a bit. Yeah, they're not oh, hard totally. to yeah. Oh, yeah, or like I drive by and you see him jumping a Porsche through the dirt field, dude. Was a, we just arrived like on <laughs> on whatever day that was Saturday, I guess. Like we got out of the car and like. Heavy D's here building this giant dirt jump, and like they built that oval track that morning. It's that like, morning, what should we do? Yeah, I know. And then like it got real serious, and the next thing we're jumping a fucking truck with that Porsche. Like, <laughs> all right, I don't know Heavy D, but I've learned if I see him anywhere, trouble is about to ensue Dude, in the best way. I just want to spend as much time with full time lunatics. Yeah, I, as I, I love can it. Be around. I love it. I love it. Dude, so the thing that I think is important, right? Like everybody has to have a fitness practice, right? Like if not, you're just Something. choosing to die. You just have to move, right? Yeah. But it can be thousands of different ways, but you have to try them all. You have to practice flexing the muscle long enough to get the result to see if it's something you want to incorporate. And I've yet to find one human being that has practiced like a stillness practice or an alone practice that, it hasn't, that helped. hasn't kept it. Damn it. I'm on it. And this is now, yeah, it's another thing I've got to like, do. It's the inverse because, like, if you follow Joe Dispenza or you do any of that stuff, we have to realize that, like, and, and I say this all the time because, like I said, I'm three colors of crayons in my box to go all the way back yeah, to the beginning. Yeah, my toolbox has a hammer yeah, and some other a, shaped hammers. Yeah. <laughs> I make big holes, yeah, like, yeah. but I get through. <laughs> 
I'm trying. I'm trying to yeah. use these other tools. That yeah, that was a that was a big message that came through with IL on me. Yeah. It was like, yo, you've traveled around to meet all these smart people, and you just keep reaching for the hammer to fix all your own shit. Are you learning stuff? Yeah, right. I'm like, fuck. Oh yeah, I did. Fine. I, I did have. I did have an Aya that I wasn't called to. That was a little too soon, and she reminded me very um, powerfully um, that I needed to integrate some stuff. Oh. Oh yeah. I I was that. Uh huh. And then. And then I tried again on psilocybin and, um, oh, you'll appreciate this one. She's like, oh, what? Trying to take a different vehicle to the same destination? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Okay, I'm out. Um, <laughs> no, man. That, I will never forget that. I was literally like, I had to run out of the house and the road turned oh, into no. black widow, like spiders and clowns. And I don't, I'm not scared of either, but repeating patterns or spinning rides make me nauseous and it was just spinning and she's like in a house she's like nope this is gonna spin until you get this nastiness out why'd you come back why and i purged in the road for like an hour and then it was like pure heaven like of course right didn't feel like it at the time but it was just so it was so nuts to me yeah Yeah. um and i forgot my train of thought so we'll go back to it in a minute well dude we're we're an hour and 40 in oh well yeah um let's uh let's call it we like, can, I, i'll we be can, here for a couple more days too yeah, so we like can do another one yeah we do yeah, another one that'd yeah, be rad i love it we should get your lady on it too yeah let's do that yeah that'd be let's dope. do that we'll do another one we're here easy enough dude all right thank you yeah because this is going on both of our shows yeah absolutely so, so everybody check can, out matt's yeah mine is uh the um so podcast and yours is the mind of george podcast mind of george podcast there you go yeah because it belongs in a straight jacket so i just shared the safe pieces <laughs> with you i did um so because it just allows me to talk about whatever fuck i want i know that's why i was like what do i name and i'm like something that lets me talk about everything. everything right i don't want that much direction no i have enough things that are like I can't get too far colored out of the lines. Totally. And this one's one that like, this one's mine. Totally. I want to talk about what I want. If I want to have friends on and play a dumb card game, we yeah. do that. Yeah. I love it. I need to, yeah. I'm going to have to start playing some more too. So dude, yeah. I love it, man. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for listening to another episode of the mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show, and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.